Welcome to Marathon Swim Stories, where we interview marathon swimmers from all walks of life to get perspective on how to endure, adapt, and overcome the challenges we face swimming and in life. I'm Shannon Keegan, marathon swimmer, wife, mom, and swim efficiency coach at Intrepid Water, where we seek to empower individuals to become comfortable and confident in the water so they can start swimming places. Are you ready to swim smarter? Check out my virtual Efficient Swimming Basics program at intrepidwater.com. In this episode of Marathon Swim Stories, we had a delightful conversation with an ice and marathon swimmer from the West Highlands of Scotland. Morag Hughes schools us on how to say loch correctly and shares tales of spending the last two decades swimming the tarns and lochs of Scotland. In 2010, she became the oldest female to swim across the English Channel, a record she held for eight years. We chat about an intense love of water, the Yi Amphibious Bathing Association, being stubborn, recovering from a broken arm to swim the English Channel, ghostly encounters, and so much more. I hope you enjoy this episode. All the way from is it? Are you? I know you're British. Uh, summertime. Are you in Scotland, Morag? Or I'm in, I'm in the West Highlands of Scotland. Wow. Okay. And she's going to tell us. No, how many, how do I pronounce it? L O C H. I got to get it right. I've seen some pretty Loch. funny things. Loch. Okay. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> tell us your story. Story. I suppose I've always liked water. I just love water. And when I was young, if we went to the beach, my parents had to take spare clothes for me because I would just get out of the car and run straight in. Um, played about in water, just in what we call a burn, you know, a river, when I was young. And then when I was 12, a swimming pool opened um, in the village I was brought up in, an open-air swimming pool. So it was only open like from April through to maybe September. Um, and I'm very pleased to see, it, see it's still open. It's one of the ones that have survived, so that is really good. Um, so basically, in my teens, I lived in the swimming pool. People would say they either saw me walking there or my hair would be wet on the way back, and I went home for my, my meals that lived mm-hmm. in the swimming pool. And then kind of life took over work and family, and it was really bef- the late... Um, uh, 1980s before I started swimming again and at that point I couldn't swim any distance front crawl I was mainly a breaststroke swimmer. I love that. (laughs) Um, So when did you start swimming marathons? Probably around about 2000. Where we lived here there was a small swim about a key across the loch and that kind of started me off and I did that annually. And then my daughter was a swimmer, so she got involved in open water swimming. So we did, you know, when she went to events, I started doing some. And um, in the River Tay, where Colleen is, there's a fantastic um, club there. They're over 130 years old called Ye Amphibious Bathing Association. And they, <laughs> and they have a, a chief ancient as the president and a scribe as a secretary. And um, they organised a lot of um, events in the Tay, which is one of the most exciting places to swim in. 
Um, I was told one time and there I was going at six knots. And um, another time I was going under a bridge and I just felt like a cork. You just had to go where you were taken. So that I kind of just started increasing the distance and um, it went on from there. Yeah, it just progressed. <laughs> Why do you think you um, had an attraction to the distance longer swims? Well, I'm definitely not a speed swimmer. I'm a consistent <laughs> swimmer. I, I've been told I'm like a clockwork toy. I'm kind of wound up and I just kept going at, keep going at the same speed. Um, I just really enjoyed them. My first marathon swim was uh, six and a half miles in Lochairn in Perthshire. And I enjoyed that. And then Windermere 10 miles was the next one. And I enjoyed it. And then Loch Lomond was the next one, 21 miles. Um, yeah, and the channel, the swimming pool I was talking about, we used to do like relays, channel relays in the pool to raise money for charity and that was always good fun and it was, all, I suppose it was always there at the back of my mind but I never ever dreamt that I would do it and in fact in 2002 I, I did a channel relay and on the way back we met a solo swimmer going across and I thought, oh my goodness, I'm never going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Just a matter of time, right? <laughs> How do you describe the feeling of completing a marathon swim? Oh, I think it's um, relief, <laughs> elation. Um, it's just really satisfying to complete it, to go from A to B. And I think the feeling that you get from it lasts a long time. Um, like going back to the channel, I finished at four minutes to midnight on the Tuesday. And it was lunchtime on the Friday before I just felt tired. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell us about a swim that you're the most proud of? Or the most proud? I think it probably would be the channel because um, I was booked to do the channel in 2006. And I broke my arm dancing a strip the willow in a bothy. <laughs> and um, it didn't heal and it was July, that was in January and July that year I finally got an operation to pin my arm so it was a long time and um, the surgeon had told me that I would never be able to swim front or back crawl again which was quite <laughs> devastating because I had booked for the channel in July um, then I, I just started swimming again and then I was down to Dover and I had 11 days and the weather just did not comply, so I never got in. Then I came back and then there was a terminal illness in the family that kind of put my plans on hold for about another three years. So finally, 2010, I went and thankfully everything went to plan. <laughs> so well, to complete that after all that had happened, it was really satisfying. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about, I mean, that's a pretty devastating injury. As you mentioned, the surgeon said you weren't going to even be able to swim again. How did you get through that time? It was very, very hard at first, um, especially as the arm wasn't healing. And I felt the physiotherapists weren't really, you know, they would say my hand would get stuck in a cupboard and I would have to take my other hand to bring it down. And why are you doing that if you were supporting it? And I said, because I can't do it otherwise. So when I got the operation I was just so determined and really did my physio went to the local leisure centre and did my physio in the pool 
And when I actually started swimming again, I had absolutely no pull, you know, no pull, no sort of reach or strength in my left arm. So wow. it was just determination. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Probably the same determination that gets you across a, a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think drives you? Just the enjoyment. I just really enjoy it. It's something I can do. Um, and it's something that I usually get there in the end. And um, I mean, I've been doing open water swimming since before it became popular. And I just really love it. And I think here, you know, the city camaraderie with the British Long Distance Swimming Association and the, the fibbies, as they're called. Yeah, it was just a nice thing to do. That's great. Um, can you tell us a favorite memory from one of your swims? Favorite memory? Um, you probably have a million, right? You can give us two or three, but... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I think the football, one of my favourite memories is finally getting to the end of Loch Morar. Um, Loch Morar was a very sort of difficult swim. I estimated it would take me nine hours and it actually took me 12 and a half. Um, so it was a combination of things that um, I swam. So we, the forecast had said that, you know, to swim against the prevailing, you know, the wind would be okay because the wind was supposed to come from the other direction. I was doing it for a church restoration project and the ladies in the church wanted me to finish at the, other, the end that I actually swam to so they could have a reception committee and kind of provide teas and coffee to raise more money. And um, the person on the boat who worked in the lock as well because, this, you know, to finish it would have been so remote, there are no roads where I would have finished. He was happier doing support me doing it the other way just in case anything you know, went wrong. And the other thing is that there's no phone coverage in that area as well. So, um, but just when I started, it got really, really, conditions got quite wild and bad. And I've actually got a picture uh, where I'm in the water and you just can't see me when I squall. <laughs> and there were three points in that swim where I definitely wasn't moving forward. <laughs> wow. So, and again, because it had taken me so long, we hadn't been, we had, hadn't gone prepared for me swimming in the dark. So it was on the point of being, you know, I was on the point of being pulled because, yeah. um, because of that. But thankfully it calmed at the end. <laughs> wow. Wow. But um, it's, oh, and when I came out of that swim, I just couldn't stand my legs, just wouldn't do it. <laughs> it's the only swim I've been like that. Yeah. Wow. And that wasn't the swim you're most proud of. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that, that, well, that, no, it, as you say, it's really difficult. The Lost Shield swim was lovely because it was supposed to be a, a bridge. It was 18 miles. So it was supposed to be a bridge between Windermere and Lomond. And I ended up doing it after Loch Lomond. So it just made it much more relaxing because I knew that I could do the distance. Mm. And it was, it was quite a nice swim. Yeah, I think Jamie had said she was wanting to hear about the bell and the wreck. Yes, yes, tell us that. So about five miles into the swim, I could hear a bell and there is a small kind of settlement really. And I thought it was coming from there. 
Um, but on the right hand side, there's a, a burial island, which is, it's been a bit, um, St. Finnan had a church there, and it's been, um, there have been burials there since about 560. Wow. And um, they reckon, this is unbelievable, they reckon there's 50,000 burials on this small island. Wow. It's amazing. And there's some really amazing gravestones on it as well. So I just swam on, and when I finished, um, my husband, who's, who always supports me in the swims, and um, Jim, who he, he actually ran a boat, you know, boat trips on the lock up until a few years ago when he retired. And as soon as I got out the water, he said, did you hear the bell? And I said, uh-huh, it was coming from Dalalee. No, 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 it was coming from St. Finnan's Isle. And there is a bell, there, well, there was a, a bell, unfortunately, it got stolen last year. But there is a bell on the island that's been there for all these years. And he said, no, no, I've had school children in the island. It was definitely the bell in St. Finnan's Isle. And he phoned a friend who lived in a house on the other side of the lock and to see, because at that point, the, the island was really overgrown. So it would have been really difficult. And there were no kayaks tied up at the landing stage. And he phoned a friend thinking, you know, wondering, has he been playing a trick on me? But no. So... And later on, we kayaked up to the island, and the bell, it, it's like a cowbell, and even to pick it up and get it, it was chained, you know, but to get it, you know, to peel regularly was so difficult. Wow, so you're <laughs> disturbing the ghosts. <laughs> that, sounds yeah. like a, that sounds fun. Um, is there anything you haven't finished? Well, near, nearly Lochmore, yeah, I think. <laughs> In the conditions and when I swam Loch Marie um, one of the chaps in the boat worked for a fish farm and he said if it was weather like this um, we would get pulled off for work because <laughs> it was quite um, choppy as well at one point it was so choppy that they had to stop feeding me with about four miles to go because it was too dangerous to come close enough to me in the rib. <laughs> wow wow but but um, you've the, but you Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, the nice thing about that was that some of the locals, I was doing that for a, a project um, to provide um, a Kilder house, you know, like a polytunnel for um, people with learning disability and mental health problems to work in as a community project. And people from the area, 13 of them also did a relay that day on, when I was swimming. So that was really nice. That's great. Um, is there a favourite place that you have to swim? I think it has to be Loch Shiel. Yeah, it's just um, it's just such a spectacular place. It's kind of surrounded by hills, and you've also got the the famous um, Harry Potter viaduct. Um, so if you go out, you can actually watch the steam train going across the viaduct from the middle of the loch. <laughs> but oh, it's wow. it's so beautiful. It's just just the light on the different, you know, different the hills and when it's snowing and yeah, it's just a lovely place. That's wonderful. Um, is there any favorite events you've participated in? It sounds like you do a lot of solo stuff, but is there any favorite events that you'd recommend <laughs> to other marathon swimmers? Um, I think Wondermere, yeah, it was really good. Um, 
to be honest, I haven't really done that many marathon events, <laughs> so it's been more solo. But That's yeah, awesome. Windermere was good. It was you know sort of good camaraderie there. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what other <laughs> big events I've done. No, I can't think. That's that's okay. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I think that there's something to be said for um, swimming a lot in your own backyard. So yeah. Um, <laughs> um, uh, let's see. How do you adapt to changing conditions? I think um, I think you just kind of adapt automatically when you're in the conditions. You just like breathe into the you know. I, I usually do unilateral breathing, but breathing to the opposite side and um, just rolling a bit more with the waves and, and things when they come. Um, I think it's something that I don't really tend to think about. It just it just happens. And I'm quite a stubborn person, so, you know, I'm quite determined that I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. Like in the channel, after seven hours, I get told they didn't think I was going to make it because... Um, I was getting taken west and in fact I get taken eight miles west with a current oh and, and um, oh I, I just had all these things going through my head you know I don't want to see my admiralty chart somebody I don't want to see any photos somebody can, else can get my admiralty chart I'll never be doing it again and then I just thought oh I'm just going to keep swimming and see what happens <laughs> That's wonderful <laughs> Yeah. Um, how do you handle that? I think that's a, it's an interesting situation when somebody tells you something like that, like you're not going to finish. It sounds like you maybe just say, yeah, I am. <laughs> but <laughs> like, how would you like, I, for me, that's like an interesting hurdle to overcome if somebody tells you you're not. So how yeah. do you think you? <laughs> I think in the channel, it was kind of particularly devastating because it is seen as, you know, the kind of big iconic swim. And, and I had known people, a couple of people before that hadn't succeeded, you know, the, the typical three miles out when the tide's racing down. Um, I think initially I did feel devastated and then all these things were going through my mind and then just the determination and well, you know, he hasn't taken me out yet, I'll just keep going and see what happens. Yeah, I think there was a bit of anger, a bit of, maybe a bit of water splashing, you know, slapping and swimming a bit faster. And then I kept looking up and it was my poor husband. I thought he was avoiding me. And it was like that really for about four hours. And then he finally yeah. came out and he went. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's it. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, how's the pandemic been for you in Highlands? <laughs> We've been quite fortunate up here because of the proximity of the water. We've still been able to keep swimming in open water. Um, the, the downside of that is we're only initially we were swimming, you know, just solo with somebody spotting for us. And now we've been swimming in pairs. And now from tomorrow, we can swim in threes. <laughs> so it's progressing. But I think, I think that's difficult because we've got a nice group of about 15 people who meet up. You know, and usually we rate, you know, maybe six, eight people will swim at a time and car sharing to get to some of the swims. So you can't do that either or, you know, and you can't travel more than five miles. So it's a bit, that's a hard bit, sort of missing the camaraderie of it. And yeah. Fun. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that's it's interesting what hearing about the, some of the restrictions, just how it's you know it's different in different countries. So it's yeah, like yeah. getting that perspective. <clears throat> um, what advice would you give to an aspiring marathon swimmer? I think preparation is really key. You need to be well prepared. I would say that you need to put in, you know, the miles. And um, if you're really serious about a swim, you need to put in a lot of hard work. Um, again, going back to the channel, I was swimming five miles a day for from about January up until July, just, you know, going before work at lunchtime and after work. I think planning working out what your feeds are and what suits you is very, very important and planning them how often you're going to have them and getting the right support crew. And I think as well, not getting carried away and taking too many people with you because I think that's a bit added pressure if you're too many people with high expectations. Yeah. But I think believing in yourself and just working towards it. Mm-hmm. Um. Speaking about feeds, you were going to show us what a jelly baby is, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this. Can you see it? Can you see oh, it? Uh, it up a little oh. higher. A little oh, higher. Higher, higher. Right. Oh, there we go. Oh. This is a jelly yeah. baby. So it's a jelly <laughs> in the shape of a baby, and you can <laughs> it. Some people bite the heads off them, but it's, um, they're really easy to eat when you're swimming. Um, you can put a few in your mouth and you can actually still be eating them as you're swimming. You know, you don't have to wait until you finish before you eat them. So they're good carbohydrate. <laughs> yeah, don't they get stuck in your teeth? <laughs> no, no. Wow. No, don't, no. That's one, been one of my pet peeves about like other like jelly kind of things. They get stuck in your teeth and then uh, you're swimming like trying to like get it out of your teeth while you're breathing. <laughs> Which yeah. can be amusing to a degree, but <laughs> <laughs> um, can you tell us about a, a swimmer that you admire? I think um, Leanne Llewellyn, who's based in Yorkshire. Um, Leanne was kind of brought up her, you know, her mum is very proactive in the BLDSA. And Leanne's done a two-way channel, which is really impressive if you look the video of it. When she turned at France, the conditions were horrendous and she went back in and got back across. Um, it's just a, a really great example yeah, of courage as well. She's also um, done... A Loch Ness, and that was our preparation for the channel. She's done a solo channel, a two-way Loch Ness, and she swam around St Kilda, which is an island 60 miles off the coast of the Hebrides in Scotland. Um, that's quite a, quite a swim that she did. She's a kayaker, so she went out with kayakers and managed to do that. I've only had a swim in the bay there. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Um, oh, Diane was asking, have you done any swims in the U.S.? I haven't. No, the only places I've swam in Holland um, right back at the beginning and I've swam in um, Ireland. But that I've never, no, that was one of the things I was thinking of, you know, but who knows now what will happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there was a question about jelly babies, but I think it was resolved. <laughs> Somebody asked if you make them. <clears throat> well, you buy them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, let's see, any other questions for Morag? 
<clears throat> John has to leave. Um, I was thinking, oh, whose marathon swim story do you want to hear? Hey, Leon. Leon, Leon. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Any other memories you can tell us about as you've had such amazing <laughs> experiences in all of your <laughs> swimming laps? Um, no, I think um, just to say that I'm now enjoying winter swimming as well. Yeah. And that if um, that that is just, you know, quite, it's quite good fun and quite challenging. Yeah. Yeah. So have you faced some of those um, challenges? Have you gotten through? <laughs> <laughs> I think, again, it's just determination to do it. I mean, it's all done in, in trust, but um, you do it. And then I think learning how to get warm quicker when you come out like the first year we did it we would get changed and then get in the car but now we just kind of tend to get in the car and get the heater on and maybe even move the car a bit to get the heating going a bit before we start eating um drinking our hot chocolate or trying to drink our hot chocolate kind of jumping about the cups <laughs> but it's it's good fun and the polar bear challenge is an excellent challenge for people that want to do it they can look it up because uh, anybody from um Anywhere in the world can do it. Yeah, I know that one. Um, Jane said something about a hailstorm. A hailstorm. <laughs> <laughs> we were waiting to go, going in for a swim once, and um, the wind just got up and it was raining, and we thought, oh, we'll be better off in the water. So we all got in the water, and we could just see this storm coming down the loch and it was hail, and it was big hail, and we were all swimming like that. <laughs> like synchronized swimmers trying to, because it was really sore. <laughs> so that was quite funny after saying, we'll be better off in the water. Yeah, yeah that's funny. Oh, man, I love it. Great stories. <clears throat> Anything else? Anybody else have questions for Mark? Oh, Christy does. You can come Hi, back. Mark. Thanks for sharing your, you clearly have a joy for swimming and I just love it. Um, yeah. I in the UK, it seems like, like whether you call it wild swimming or outdoor swimming, it seems like really a community, like a really tight knit, lovely community. Um, any, is that just a UK thing or anything specifically that you think has fostered that camaraderie? Um, I think just with um, with Facebook, people if people are going, people are aware of um, where people swim. So if people are going on holiday. They often put up, you know, I'm coming up on holiday. Would anybody be available to swim? And it's the same in Ireland. I've had a really, you know, lovely and welcoming experience in Ireland. Just going on holiday and swimming. Somebody that I only knew through Facebook that I'd never met, um, coming to pick me up from a hotel and taking me, you know, swimming. It's yeah, I think, and I, th I think people are quite keen to show where they swim and proud of the places they swim, but that can have its downsides as well if places get a bit too busy. And I think one thing you've got to be aware of are kind of the local communities. If you're going where people actually live as well, you have to be aware and respect their, you know, sort of privacy. But yeah, it is a really friendly group, yeah kind of nationwide yeah it seems i'm with you christy it seems um it's really impressive i know jocelyn and i kind of covet <laughs> uk swimming communities because they're just no, her and i in the winter so um yeah, yeah it's, it sounds like a lot of cake too from what i've read 
Well, we're not so bad with cake, normally sweets, but I have to say that in my group, um, we have two people that started last year who did the Gold Polar Bear Challenge, and, or, no, sorry, three people, and just so proud of them because they, they only started open water swimming about June or August last year and just swam right through the winter. And one of the ladies was Spanish and she used to make us giggle because she just used to say, I swim in the Mediterranean and curse. And <laughs> but she did it and she threw sort of adversity because she had a, she still had a house in London that she had to go to and she had a, a quite a high power job here that was quite demanding and it was touch and go whether she would meet the criteria but she did and I think I think that just sums it up because everybody in the group was you know encouraging her to swim so it is really nice having so many people like Shannon was saying you'll need to get more people Shannon <laughs> yeah we have to materialize <laughs> the people I'm trying <laughs> <laughs> It was lovely talking to you, Mark. Thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, thank you for asking me. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. If you'd like to be a guest on Marathon Swim Stories, just email me, shannon at intrepidwater.com. Please stay in touch by joining our email list at intrepidwater.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.